Are you ready for the word this morning? I bring you greetings from the Edithburg Community Church. Um, I was up uh, on Friday evening and uh, most of yesterday at the Edithburg Church. They uh, had a, uh, a massive working bee on. Uh, they have just uh, in the process of uh, constructing a new building, church building over there. It is fabulous, I've got to tell you. Just amazing to see what they've done in that particular town. And I, I, uh, I prophesy that it's going to be a, a church that affects the entire region of the York Peninsula for many, many years to come. It's just such a privilege and an honor to hold a paintbrush and to be a part of that and to uh, uh, just to help some, another congregation, another part of our family. Uh, to do something significant in the in the in the uh, the community and to just be a part of that was fantastic. Just really was exciting. So I bring you greetings from their ch- uh, their co- their family, their church family, their congregation to us. Uh, I, I certainly did uh, convey our love and appreciation to them yesterday. This morning I want to talk about something uh, that's on my heart and. Uh, Just turn to the person next to you and just tell them, I'm a believer. I am a believer. I am a believer. I am a believer. Would make a good song. I'm not going to even break down and dance on that one. Cool. Proverbs 23 verse 7 into the King James Version Well, the New King James Version says this. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Arnold Palmer, for those of you who don't know, is a legend in the game of golf. He's won seven major championships, 62 professional golf association tour wins, 18 other golf tournaments, as well as, that's just in his his normal professional career, let alone his senior's career. That uh, I'm not sure exactly what the the age is that you hit when you hit senior. Uh, I think it's got to be at least 100. So, um, but he, he, he just, incredible. There's a plaque on his office wall that sits behind him, or it did sit behind him. He's uh, since uh, passed away, but there was a a plaque on his wall that summed up his attitude towards life and uh, and towards golf as well. This simple statement was, think you can. Think you can. Think you can. That was the plaque. That was the statement. Just think you can. Because here's the deal. Okay? If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Life's battles don't always go to the strongest or fastest person, but sooner or later the person who wins is the person who thinks they can. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I pray that we would all experience the life transformation of sitting under the anointing of your Holy Spirit as the word of God is declared. Father, I thank you that as I speak about this, being a believer, I ask you to help me to express this in ways that I've not prepared even, illustrations that I've not thought about. 
I pray that by divine inspiration, you'd move upon my heart and my spirit so that I can inspire and bring transformation to your people that we can go out into this world and show and shine the love of God to our community in Jesus' name. Amen. How can we have and maintain a positive outlook in life? And the truth is that it's a choice that we make. It's not an event. Having a positive outlook, a positive attitude in life is something that we must choose to do continually. It's something that we've got to walk in on a daily basis. Sure, stuff happens, but we've got to come back to this thing that, you know, I'm going to keep my eyes on some certain things that are going to help me to maintain and have a positive attitude, a positive outlook in life. The Apostle Paul was in prison when he wrote the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And these books contain some of the most powerful and uplifting, life-saving words of the Bible. If you were to read those, those books, those epistles, you would find in them some of the most profound Christian teachings that there are around, that are in the Bible. But they were written in prison. They weren't written on the beaches of Bali. They weren't written in those wonderful huts that sit above the water in the Maldives. They weren't written in the comfort of someone's lounge room. They were written in a dark, dingy, smelly, rat-infested, prison. Why was it that Paul could write such words and pen such words that bring encouragement to us today, even though he was in prison? And I believe that there are some things that we can learn from the Apostle Paul's life that will help us. He gives us the secret to his positive outlook in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 out of the Passion Translation. It says this, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that's authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. He says, fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Now, Coming out of 2016, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you are glad that 2016's over. You're thinking, man, I don't want another 2016. It's just like stuff happened. It's just, it was a horrible year. And you're, you're sort of like looking forward to a new, a better, healthier, and stronger year ahead. Well, I want to encourage us to have all of that this year. That even when things don't go our way, that they don't work out how we wanted them to, or bad stuff happens, or when roadblocks appear, or our health takes a beating, our finances reduce, and we're just having a bad day, I want to help us to have a positive attitude. And I believe that there are five things that we can ha- help us to have and maintain a positive outlook in life. And the first thing is, That it's helped, a positive attitude is helped when we become a believer in Christ. Number one is being a believer in Christ. 
Psalm 118, verse 8, which for those people that love detail is the absolute center verse of the entire Bible. This, this is what the whole Bible revolves around. Okay? Are you ready for this? this the, the, the center, the very the center of the Bible, surely it's going to say something profound. Surely it's going to say something that, that the whole Word of God comes around. It says this, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Wow. That's a great verse, isn't it? So being a believer in Christ, John 14 verse 1 says, Don't worry or surrender to fear. You've believed in God. Now trust in and believe in me also. And that was Jesus speaking. We need to be a believer in Jesus. If we're wanting to see and experience the best in life, go to and trust in the source of life. The best way to get our heads above the flood of stuff happening around us is to keep our feet firmly placed upon the foundation, and the foundation is Jesus. I think it's Ephesians 2.20 that says, you know, the, uh, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but it's the, the, the cornerstone is Christ himself. For many of us, when bad times or bad things happen, we will either run to Jesus or we will run from Jesus. And sadly, it's my experience as a pastor, as a leader, that many make the decision to distance themselves from Christ when bad things happen or things don't work out. Prayer stops, worship stops, coming out on a Sunday with other believers stops. Because we've made a decision that it's God's fault. I blame God for this. He's saying, well, I had nothing to do with it. It's just the take that we've got on it. Let me encourage us. Let's believe the promises of God. Let's believe the promises of God. Let's not be fickle. Either God's good or he's not. Either God's loving or he's not. Either God's powerful or he's not. I love it what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. It says, In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. In other words, it's real, it's authentic. And may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I've said for many, many years, and you've heard me say this, I think that one of the most profound testimonies that a person can have in life is that in the midst, in the very midst of a storm, in the very midst of tragedy, in the very midst of heartache and grief and a bad day, they can simply say, I'm still standing. I still believe God. I still worship Jesus. I still give glory to God. That's one of the most powerful testimonies that a person can ever have. I praise God for all the things. I raised someone from the dead. I you know, saw someone's leg regrow. Fantastic, great. But I reckon that you know, it's, it's wonderful, powerful, that in the midst of stuff going on, I can say I'm still standing. I'm still going to believe for Jesus. I've discovered something that as a leader, that where there is no uh, cost associated with something, there's usually no great value attributed to it either. However, where there is a cost for something, 
People give value to that something. As an example, I've seen people receive some wonderful free gifts in life. Yet a little while later, those same gifts have been discarded or packed away out of sight and out of mind with no great value attached to them. But when someone has had to work hard, save and and spend time and money on an item or an achievement, the value of that item or achievement is much higher because it has a personal cost associated with it. It cost me to get that degree. It cost me to go after that job. It cost me to to save my marriage. It cost me to, to continue to go and to worship Jesus. It cost me to read the word of God. It cost me something to be able to do that. Does that make sense this morning? There's a cost, a personal cost, in believing in Jesus. Because believing in Christ is about a relationship, not a ritual. We put time and effort into any worthwhile relationship that we have. And it's no different with our relationship with Christ. There is a personal cost associated with it. When things don't work out, I'm still going to trust Jesus. When I can't have my own way, I'm still going to love Jane. I may not like it, but I'm still going to love her. I'm still going to be committed to her. When our kids mess up, still going to love them, still going to parent them well, still going to train them and, and teach them and, and, and do good by them, give them the tools and the equipment that they need to succeed in life. There's a cost to any relationship. I, you know, we just need to invest that cost in the relationship that we have with Christ. In our relationships, we give, we serve, we forgive, we give grace, we have compassion. It's a cost, but one that I believe has eternal payoffs in our relationship with Christ. There's an eternal payoff. There's a a benefit that lasts for eternity. You see, if, if, if I read my Bible correctly, no greater price was paid, no greater cost was asked of than the very life of Jesus for us to experience salvation and eternal life. And our response to this is simply that we give of ourselves, recognizing the cost that Christ paid on our behalf. We sang that song this morning. He he took my place. He took my place. John chapter 6, verse 28 to 29 says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus said, The work of God is this, simply to believe in the one that he has sent. We can have a positive outlook, I believe, a positive attitude in life if we believe in Christ. Second thing, having a positive attitude has helped when we become a believer in our country. Uh, but not many of you thought about that one. A believer in our country. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is actually the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. This is 
One of the things that I, I believe that Australia is renowned for is the spirit of the Anzac, of which we're a part. And so are some of our other half-brothers from the, across the little stretch of water. Australia, I love Australia. The spirit of the digger. This Thursday, Australia celebrates Australia Day. Historically, where uh, it's, it's, it's a time when 11 convict ships came to uh, Sydney Cove and the Union Jack was hoisted by Captain Arthur Phillip in 1788. It's a time we, we, we recognise that. And since then, Australia has grown and matured as a nation. You know what? We haven't always done things well, but we've learned from our mistakes. And where we can, we've apologised for those mistakes as well, as a nation. I love a sign I read about uh, that's, that sits out of side, outside this particular town in Texas, in the United States. It says, Milford, Texas, a city of 750 friendly people and three or four old grouches. <laughs> Some churches can be like that, you know. <laughs> Some nations can be like that. We call this the lucky country. I don't know. The lucky country. For many Australians, the phrase the lucky country has a particular resonance. You know, it sits well with us. It's, it's the lucky country. Daniel, sorry, Donald Horn, uh, in, in some words that he penned, uh, he used this particular phrase in numerous ways to describe everything great about our country. The phrase has been used to describe our weather, our lifestyle, our history. It's often used to describe our good fortune from gold booms to economic booms. And recently, our geographic isolation from the world's trouble in, in, in and around the world has again seen us be labelled the lucky country. Our country is made up of something that we are all a part of, uh, some really amazing communities. That's what makes up our nation today. We're a part of the Adelaide Hills community. We're a part of the, the capital of, of South Australia, Strathalbyn perhaps, or we're you know, part of Mount Barker. Um, uh, we're part of Nairn or Little Hampton or, or Macclesfield or Flaxley. You know, the, the, we are who makes up this incredible nation that we live in. It's not simply our country that we need to believe in. It's more about the communities that make up our uh, country. When devastating floods or, or uh, bushfires hit our nation or other man-made or natural disasters hit various communities around our country, the response of this country is to get in, to help, to support, to, 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 to resource recovery for those various parts. That's what I love about our country. It's what I love about our nation. I believe in this nation. If we don't believe in this nation, why do we live here? I've seen some bumper stickers aimed at refugees. I, I think it's, it's not healthy, but it, it illustrates the point. But if you don't like this place, leave. Some people have no other option. This is their only hope, is to come to our shores and receive help. And we need to receive them and open our arms to them, to love them, as Christ would love them. Jesus himself was a refugee. Read your, read your Bible. If we, we're talking about like, keep the, the refugees out, read your Bible. Jesus was a refugee. 
all the things that we do to help our communities and our country, tell me that we believe in our nation. We believe in the people that make up the communities that shape and make Australia such a great nation. We don't always get it right, but we do learn from our mistakes and we try to fix our faults. You know what? I believe so much in our our nation that I've got an Australian passport. I became an Australian citizen, went through the ritual, the ceremony of becoming an Australian citizen. This Thursday, Jane and I have the privilege of being a part of the uh, Australian citizenship uh, ceremony at Ockendorick House. We're looking forward to that. It's something that we, we, we want to be a part of as leaders within our community. We also want to celebrate uh, the, the, the community event of the year that the, the carols in the park is, uh, is up for nomination for. I sense very strongly that the way we've responded in the past to various things in our community will change this year. We'll be more proactive, more deliberate, more intentional in supporting and loving our country and our communities through the various things that we become a part of as a congregation, as a gathering of believers. I know personally the smile I felt from God when I helped or supported or have given uh, in, in some way to help our community. I've actually demonstrated the love of God to those people in my community. I've shown this community that I believe in it, that I I don't just live here, but I want to give here. I want to serve here. I want to help here. This is my community. And I need to stand up and take responsibility for it. I can't go through life just blaming everybody else for the wrongs and the ills and the bad things that are happening through through, uh, the things in our community. We have a responsibility to be able to stand up and to say, this is what we stand for as a community and we're going to go for it. Not what we're against, but what we stand for. I'm for families. I'm for marriage between a husband and a wife. I'm for, uh, for, for, for babies being allowed to go and, and to, to, to grow and to live. I'm for these things. That's what I believe. We should be known as a, as a church for what we're known for, not what we're known against. Too often the, the, the world and the community points at the church and they say, well, we only know what you're against. You're against this and you're against that. Let's change the perception. Let's change the, 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 the attitude that the community has. We can each take our, a, a part, a play a part in, in helping to change the culture of our community. This is my community and I believe in it so much so that I want to tell our community about Jesus. I love my community so much that I want to show them what Jesus is like. I want to shine for Jesus. I want to get into my my community and, and, and hear people say, why are you doing this? Because I believe in this community. I believe that God has actually ordained me to come and to help and to, to, to lift up this rake and this garden fork or this whippersnipper or whatever it is that we do to help in the community, to shine the light of Jesus. That's why we're having our family fun day down at Keith Stevenson Park today. We want to go into our community and say, you know what? The church is about fun. The church is about living life. It's about living large. It's about doing something that we can give stuff away into our community. Your giving helps us to do that as a church. Your commitment to to serving and to giving to God, it, it helps us and releases us to be able to give stuff into our community. 
You say, well, what good is a sausage to someone on a, 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 a sausage sizzle on a family fun day? You know what? It may not prove any worth today, but there may come a time when they're thinking, you know, I'm going through stuff. I remember that church that was down at that park. I know where they are. Maybe they can help. Just maybe they might have an answer for the thing that I'm going through. Just maybe there's someone there that I can get a hug from. Just maybe there's someone that, that can help me with a, a resource, a need that I have in my life. And it started with a sausage. I'm changing the message title. It, it, the message is now it started with a sausage. I'm serious. I'm serious. This message is called, it started with a sausage. But as a church, okay, as a gathering of people, you can do that. With your neighbors, with your, your family and your friends. When you get your flag as you come down to Keith Stevenson Park, okay, take that flag and give it to your neighbor. I'm just, I'm pretty ripped about my, my community. I love Australia and here's an Australia flag. How about you get ripped about it as well? Hey, you... <laughs> Have a positive attitude. Having a positive attitude has helped when we become, number three, a believer in the church. I believe in the church. I love Pastor Bill Hybel's words. He says, the local church is the hope of the world. You are the hope of our community. You are the hope of the Adelaide Hills. People need to find hope in the church. People need to find hope in the church. People need to find hope in the church. Church? I've talked about this a great deal over the last few weeks as a church. The church. See, Infused Church isn't a building. It's you. It's me. We are the church. That's what the Bible declares. So the services and the needs that we meet aren't met by a building, although partially that they are, but more so by the people that are in this building. I love the words that Jesus says in Matthew 16, verses 17 to 18. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. This is where Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Holy One of God, the Anointed One. Okay? He says, my Father has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, Jesus says. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my... What is it? What is it? Church. Jesus is going to build... His church and all the powers of hell will never conquer it. Okay? Can I tell you right now that Jesus never actually used the word church? He never used the word church. The word that he used was ecclesia. E double C L E S I A. It is a Greek word. Okay? It is a Greek word that actually means a gathering of people called out. For a specific purpose. Jesus wasn't describing the church as a building. He was describing it as a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. Can I tell you right now? That excites me. I'm pretty happy about that. 
I think that that's a phenomenal thing to understand. A building has restrictions and it's lifeless. It can look fantastic. I mean, we, I went up to Edithburg to help to, to make the look, place look, look, look fantastic, look like the duck's guts, you know? looks really good. Okay? Sometimes, though, there's just lifelessness in a building. But if we start to understand that the church is a gathering of people, it has unlimited potential and it can be full of life. Well, I thought it was pretty exciting. I thought it was pretty exciting. Okay. I believe in you, the church. I believe in you, the church. I'm committed to leading this gathering of people. I am committed to praying for and supporting this gathering of people. I am committed to serving this gathering of people. I'm committed to giving to this gathering of people. I'm committed to following the leading of the Holy Spirit for this gathering. And I know that many of you are the same. There are a number of other gatherings of called out people in our community. I believe in those churches also. I believe that just as much as we are committed to each other, we will then truly see kingdom influence come to our community together as the body of Christ. Many churches are preaching and teaching and obeying the words of the Bible. Many churches are making a difference in our community. And I praise God. Because when they win, we win. When they suffer, we suffer. That's how it should be. That's what it's like in a body. I don't know if if you've ever done this. I have. Okay, I I think it may have been last year. But I, I was getting ready for bed. I'd just been to the toilet and I was walking out of our our bathroom and I misjudged the size of the doorway. And with my right foot, bare right foot, no steel caps, my slippers are not steel capped. I have hit the door jam with my little toe and I heard it snap and I looked down and it was out at a right angle. I thought... This is the deal, though, okay? I got, it wasn't just my toe that was going... There was a reaction in my entire body. Jane will tell you she thought that suddenly there was a herd of elephants in our room. Because she heard lots of jumping up and down. There was no cursing. Okay? There was... I instantly came into a sweat because I looked at my toe and thought, that's not normal. <laughs> I thought, well, that, that, that's going to hurt. And there were pain impulses happening in my brain saying, yeah, you're absolutely right there, buddy. You got that one good. <laughs> this is not good. But there was a reaction in my entire body. One part of my body hurt and it had effect in my whole body. I don't think the body of Christ is any different. I think that when, you know, like... Uh, uh, um, Slow down. I think that when something happens in the body of Christ, it affects us all. And I think that there's a responsibility upon us all to champion the cause of the local church. There are other leaders of other gatherings 
that are just doing the best that they know how. They're trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. They're, they're trying to, to lead and to, to, to walk their, their congregations through what they feel God is leading them to do. We need to be praying that God speaks to them powerfully. We need to pray that someone comes around those leaders and lifts up their arm in the midst of the battle. We need to be praying for our spiritual leaders. We need to be interceding on their behalf. We need to get behind them with our words of encouragement, with emails that say, man, I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing an incredible job. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for leading us every single Sunday. Thank you for coming up fresh with a great sermon title that it all starts with a sausage. Yeah, okay? Sunday, you can have fun, all right? Relax, take a chill pill. So, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Respect everyone, love your Christian brothers and sisters. Turn to the person next to you. I love you, baby. I love you. Woo! You're my Christian brother, my Christian sister. I love you. Woo! Come on. So the fourth thing, I'm going, to, I'm going to race a bit ahead now. Having a positive attitude has helped when we become a believer in yourself. You need to believe in yourself. The reason many people don't have love, patience or, and forgiveness with others is that they don't have it for themselves. Deep down we have this feeling that we don't have quite what it takes to make it. Most of us feel like we are too good to go to hell, but not quite good enough to go to heaven. We better make up our minds because there are only two places that we can go. <laughs> Matthew 22 verses 35 to 39 says this. An expert in religious law tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want everyone to do this. I want everyone to stand up, please. Everyone stand up. Are you ready for this? This is just going to go out on a limb here, okay? This is like a, going to be a stretch for some of you, Okay? But I need you to do this. Ready? Just, go, just limber up the shoulders a little bit. Okay, ready? Stretch out the arms. You ready for this? I want you to go like this and say, oh, I love me. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're a sweet thing. Ah, uh, I think you're all right. I just think you're, you're doing good. Sit down. <laughs> People are going, huh? I am having fun just quietly. Yeah. See, the Godhead knows all about us. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. See, we think we're getting away with stuff, but God knows. God knows. And you just need to love yourself. You need to realize that he's there to help. He's there to love. He's sometimes there to discipline, but it's discipline that makes us get ready for the blessing that he wants to bring. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes. 
Yet this is how much the, the Godhead loves us individually. God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. God sent Jesus into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. See, God believes in us so much, in who you are, that he sent Jesus to reveal his love and his grace, his forgiveness, his compassion, and his mercy and his healing and his abundance to you. That's what God did. If he believes in you, isn't it time you believed in yourself? I'm going to give you freedom. Believe in who you are, who God has created you to be. Believe in the call of God upon your life. If your call is to just raise a family, do it to the best of your ability. That is a, a high calling in God, I believe. It's not just raising a family. You're doing one of the most profound things. You're setting people up for eternity. Be the best that you can. Love what you do. Having a positive attitude has helped, number five, when we become a believer in the outcome. A believer in the outcome. You see, sometimes we get tired of all the negative talk that we hear. I want to tell you, hang in there. Hang in there, okay? I have read the back of the book, and I've discovered we win, okay? It's a great thing to have happen. There's a guy, a theologian by the name of Richard Rogers. He, he penned a load of commentaries, uh, and it, one in particular on Revelation that was never published during his lifetime says this, and the title was, Hallelujah Anyway. And he says in, his, in this commentary, he says this, I don't care what beast comes or dragon or harlot because when the smoke clears and Gabriel blows his horn, we win because the Bible says we are the children of God. Whatever you're going through today, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. It doesn't matter what comes against you because the Bible declares that we win. The Bible declares that we are overcomers. We're born to win. We're victorious in everything. God has given us everything we need for life and victory in our lives. God has given it to you right now. You need to take a hold of it. Believe in the outcome that God has for you. Romans 8.28 out of the Passion Translation says this. So we are convinced. Are you convinced this morning? Are you convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives? For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. We are going through life. We have been woven together. Our story has been woven into the very fabric of life itself so that the outcome of our life paints a picture where God will be glorified, where God will be exalted. I don't know what God's perfect plan is sometimes, but I don't have to. I just need to believe in the God who has a plan. If I can understand his plan, he's not God. I can understand it. Why do I need someone I can understand what's going on? Sometimes there is the mystery that we just don't understand, don't know. I believe Christians need to say three words that we, we, we sometimes don't like to say. I don't know. People ask for explanations about why happens, why, why the baby dies in the womb. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm still going to praise God in a way that, that helps to bring healing, not arrogantly or rudely or, or anything like that. Please hear my heart on that. I just need to believe in the God who has a plan. I know he loves me so much that he's got a plan for my life. I know that there will be tough days, tragic things that happen, horrible and, and, and heartbreaking things. But I know there will be questions and sometimes there's going to be few answers. But I believe in Christ. 
I believe in our country. I believe in our community. I believe in his church. This gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. I believe in who God made me to be. So I'm going to believe in the outcome as well. That it'll be good and according to the perfect plan that God has. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 to 18 says this. Therefore do not lose heart. Church, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart this morning. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we will fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is an eternal future that awaits us. There's an eternal benefit, an eternal reward that awaits us. And it is the very presence of God. It is the wonderful presence of God. It's not a new teaching. It's not a new toy. It's the presence of God. We can be in the presence of God for eternity. That is the wonderful benefit that awaits us. When I think on these things, when I think about and look that all I do have It will help me to get through the times when I start to doubt the outcome that God has for my life. Too often we look at what's not happening instead of what God has brought to us. I can have a positive attitude in life because of Christ. Because of where I live and work and play. I can have a positive outlook in life because of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can have a positive outlook in life because of the good and perfect plans that God has for me. I can have a positive outlook in life because God is in charge of the outcome for my life. My eternal call, the salvation of my soul. Let's stand. Praise God. Made it. I didn't think I was going to for a bit. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for some people today. I want to pray for some people today. I want to pray for people who are just struggling in this season trying to get their heads above water, going through a difficult period. Sometimes you just can't see the wood because of all the trees in the way. I think that's how that saying goes. This morning I really feel to to pray that you start to see what you do have, what is available. If you're struggling in that area this morning, I just want everyone to just bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Don't look around. Just between you and God. Are there people here this morning, you're just struggling a bit and you just need to see things differently. I'm going to pray for a divine shift in your vision. So is anyone here this morning? Just put your hand up nice and tall. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A number of people have put their hands up. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for these people and I ask you that by your grace you cause something to come alive through your word that speaks powerfully into their hearts and their minds that they can see 
life differently from this point forward. It just, it's just a subtle shift. It's just a subtle shift. Father, just right now in Jesus' mighty name, would you create an avenue through which you can just shift their vision slightly to bring about a different outlook in life. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I ask you to release that to them now. In Jesus' name. The other, other people I want to pray for is, is that first group, to be a believer in Christ. I don't know everybody here this morning, but I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. He's changed my life. He's saved my life so many times. He's there during the tough times. He's there during the great times. He's not some figment of our imagination or anything of that nature. He is our God. And I, I just want to encourage you that if you don't know Christ and you've heard me talk about Christ in a way that maybe you've never heard before or some way that has just really created curiosity in you and, you, and you, you're sensing that, you know what, I want to explore this thing called a relationship with God. I want to start that relationship. I, I just want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone here? You've never invited Christ to be in, in your heart before, but this morning you feel that today you need to do that. I want you to put your hand up this morning because I want to walk you through a prayer that you can receive Christ as your Savior. Is anyone here this morning? Anyone at all? Father, I pray this week, give us all opportunity to shine your light in our community. Help us to point people to you that they may experience the fullness of who you are in every way, shape and form. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.